over the years. What's it like to be on the sideline watching when another guy has a guy that's going off? In college basketball, you're gonna you can have great defense, you can have a great plan, but then sometimes a guy is just in a rhythm and he feels it. And no matter what he's doing, what you're trying to do to stop him, he's making incredible shots. He's pretty good. Yeah, Vance he's a pretty Jackson. good player. His size, Vance Jackson. His, yep. his his player to be Vance Jackson's who we're talking about, but his size to be able to shoot the ball like that. You know, you see this a lot at the next level. Guys that'll look you down to create space and shoot it. You don't see a lot of guys that can do that consistently right. in college. And for him to do it at six nine or six ten or whatever he is, is pretty impressive. We we made an adjustment to try to put a little bit more quickness on him to maybe get out to him at the three and put John Newman on him. I thought that adjustment really backfired. You know, coaches don't always get it right because it made it tougher for us to guard in other areas, and that's one of the biggest runs they made in the game. Uh, but he presented some problems, and we were talking about it every time out, halftime, challenging our guys to do a better job getting to him on the three-point line. There was a career high in this game. Mike Saunders, eight assists. At eight to one. Mm-hmm. He was eight to one. We talked that as a team in the locker room. You know, Mike's Mike's just a terrific player, and I, I said, you're going to hate this, but you're the youngest guy on the team. You're a young player, and I know you hate to hear me call you a young player, but one day you'll be sitting in here, and I'll be saying it to somebody else, and you're going to be like, yeah, I agree with that. He's young, you know, but he's young. He's still learning how to play the point guard position, and he's going to be a terrific, terrific point guard in college basketball, but that's a huge step for him tonight. It, it, like He's going to have nights he scores it. He makes shots. That's fine. But eight to one, that's how you play the point guard position. I thought that was that was terrific. And the one turnover he had, David tripped coming off the screen. You know, that was just kind of an error on a play out of a timeout. So he was really good taking care of the ball and really good finding others. Haven't mentioned you haven't mentioned offense much. First half you were lights out defensively and you made shots. It's always different. Your defense looks different when you make shots. Uh, when you made shots on offense and your defense has been lights out. Your defense was not bad in the second half. For stretches, it was bad, but it was good enough. The same shots you were taking in the first half were not dropping in the second half. Was that cause for concern for you on the bench? Terry, our defense in the second half, I mean, home, like, what, what are they shot? 50% from three, 40, 45 from two. And they got to the free throw line seven times. Our defense was bad. <laughs> I let you say it. Man, those, those last three minutes, it was good. But our defense was bad in the second half. And, and that's the answer to your question. You're going to have times you go cold shooting the ball or you go cold scoring it on offense. And hopefully we've done enough work and practice that we can call some stuff and execute some things to get easy shots. I thought we did that down the stretch where we got a couple easy shots and easy baskets. Hayden got the foul on the lob. You know, we got the back door, and then we dished it off to Hayden for the dunk. That was good execution. But you can weather those storms offensively when you keep that light switch on defensively for an entire half. And we didn't do that, and I think that's where the offensive struggles come in. The other thing is, in the first half, we got a lot of stuff in transition. But you got to get live ball stops, defensive rebounds, and steals to get out and run. And we didn't get a lot of that in the second half, so we didn't get as many opportunities to get easy shots in the open court. You are experiencing a lot of firsts in the American Athletic Conference this year, and you will have one on Sunday, a trip to the Roundhouse at Wichita State. I'm sure you've heard that is quite the environment for the visiting team. It's pretty cool, pretty cool conference. I mean, that environment at Memphis was, boy, that was a big-time atmosphere. I've been here a short period of time. It's pretty darn big time here every night, and uh, I've heard Wichita's the same way. So it's, it's big-time basketball, big-time arenas, 
big time fan bases and that's what it's all about our, our guys will enjoy that just make sure that you don't get off that plane without jeremiah davenport how is it to have a guy that you don't have to run plays for to give him the ball give him some space and let him do what he does he's fun he's fun to coach I, I've, I've been you know there's been some nights i walked out of here and i you know out of the office late at night and i was ready to sleep and wake up and find another day and there's been some tough nights but even on those nights, I've said, thank you, thank you, Lord, for letting me coach Jeremiah Davenport. He's pretty fun to coach. Congrats on the win. All right, thanks, Coach. Coach. That is Bearcats head coach Wes Miller. We'll take a timeout. We'll wrap things up in just a moment. Cincinnati, a winner over East Carolina tonight, 79-71 on News Radio 700 WLW. Good game and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? On a day where, frankly, there wasn't a lot of football news. There was some football news. One thing. But you know what? This is a basketball podcast because we had a basketball game, and this is a reaction. And some guy, some guy named Jackson went eight for eleven. Vance Jackson just shoots lights out, but the Bearcats hold off. They win. They almost drop another eighty bucket. Coomer was right. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. All I know is it means one thing. Today is a great day. To be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Indeed it is. Hummer, I can always tell your level of excitement for an episode based on how you start breathing before I actually throw it to you. And sometimes there's these long intermittent (laughs) pauses, Hummer, buddy, a few words, and I can sort of hear you kind of like teeing it up in the background, salivating like a wild hyena. You're definitely excited, I can tell, to talk about uh, this victory, this emphatic, I'm going to call it an emphatic victory despite how you know close it got there in the final minutes. Bearcats pull it out against ECU, a 10-5 and five team, 79-71 uh, at home. It was a dominant, forceful, kind of just surprising first-half performance for the Bearcats where they scored 49 points, and it was basically the, like the fourth, fifth consecutive half of very proficient, high-level, functional effective offense. I, I I don't I don't know what to believe. And so at halftime, just before halftime, even I start firing off these tweets feeling confident. Guys decided to turn it on. It's a good offense now. Look at West Miller's comments after the Tulane game. He knew he was talking about the best week of practice all season. He was talking about sometimes it doesn't click right away. And this is just one of those games. And sure enough after that the Bearcats start ripping off effective basketball, a win against SMU, a near victory on the road at Memphis. And now they come out in the first half and they're absolutely destroying ECU up 20. And then the second half we come out and it's, it's abysmal in the first nine minutes of that second half. How, how are you reacting to that whirlwind of a game, Hummer? I'm sitting on the couch and my wife is, is making me catch up on, on the latest. This is us. So naturally I have the game on the iPad 
and she, and she's giving me this look and she's like they're up by like 20 why are you even watching still and i'm like julia have you seen this team up 20 before and not win i have so yeah i'm gonna finish this thing out like i love watching this this looks great we're shooting phenomenally we're running all over the place we're playing like pretty much playing the definition of lockdown defense you know on pace to, to hold east carolina under 60 and feeling really 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 good you know mason madsen good dare my davenport good 49 points in the second half first half good <laughs> john newman the third one man wrecking crew on defense four steals six boards he's all over the place good <laughs> you know john newman it might be one of my favorite players on the team this year good I, tell me tell me tell me why tell me what you're falling in love with with regard to john newman he brings it every game. He brings an energy. He brings like an excitement to be on the court, whether, whether it was through this good stretch of basketball or this, or when we were having some, that bad stretch of offensive basketball, I'm not saying he was always been lights out offensively, but he's, seems to bring it the energy. He's, he's lanky. He's always, he's always causing trouble for the opposing team. Yeah. He's, he's just, he seems to be all over the place all the time. And I, I just love that. He's bringing like that, that sense of leadership around to the squad. He's extremely consistent with his energy and effort. You know, coming into the season, we knew about Jeremiah Davenport being this spark plug, this energetic, charismatic, all systems go all the time type player. John Newman III has been that guy for the Bearcats this season. He just doesn't have the, the, the flashy jump shot or the explosive offensive game necessarily pair with it. And so there are games where it goes a bit off the rails for him offensively. The shots aren't necessarily falling. But what we are really seeing from him in the past few games in particular, is that he can be a one-man wrecking crew um, defensively. He can be someone that you put on another team's best player. Now, an interesting comment from Wes Miller in that post game with Terry and Dan on 700 WLW was that he actually felt he as a coach made a mistake trying to adapt to Vance Jackson's explosive second half by shifting John Newman the third over to him, because what he felt was instead of shutting down their offense, we were actually opening things up everywhere else, which was creating more disruption, more chaos, and led us to having, you know, a below average suboptimal second half defensively. So in interesting and honest commentary from Wes Miller, specific analysis from him where he is being introspective about here's a specific mistake I made as a coach that in hindsight, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have approached it the same way. And I think that's, that's actually nice to hear. Cause sometimes you hear coach speak about this one's on me. This is one, this one's on coaches, but they never actually tell you, well, what do you mean by that? What, what's the analysis there? Like even Wes Miller earlier this season has had spoken in platitudes at times about this being on coaches and I'll never let it happen again, et cetera, et cetera. This is a specific example of an in-game decision that he could have and would do differently if he could. What is there? I mean, yeah, I, I get that to a certain point, but I mean, he's shooting lights out and I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's tough from that, that standpoint. I can't really, I look at games like this and we played well enough. Luckily in the first half, we did what we were needed to do in the first half. We came out cold in the second. We did. We, we came out ice cold to start the second half, but even with him going, 
13 for 24, even with him going eight for 11, we pulled out an eight point victory. And honestly, if it wasn't for the last three pointer of the game, we would have ended up covering. Uh, if anything, you know, like I said, it's hard to fault it. The guy's making shots. The guy's making shots. I, I don't want to say we weren't playing good defense. Guys just hitting threes. There's a couple of them. Maybe they should have actually had a couple more threes. We got lucky on, on a wide open one, but something that did stick out to me uh, in this game on, on the offensive side of the ball is I feel like I, and call me if I'm crazy, but I feel like I was watching Mike Saunders uh, do a little bit uh creation tonight for others. Huge game for Mike Saunders jr. In that, in that respect, eight assists, one turnover. He was shouted out in the post game by Wes Miller really focusing on the fact that it was more of a true point guard type performance from him. And that is definitely the next step in his evolution is being able to use that speed, um, that superpower that he has for not just himself and flying down the lane to, to get these layups, but he can collapse the defense so easily. There's not a reason that as he progresses in his career, gets more minutes is more in that starting point guard role he is someone who should easily be able to get six assists a game just based on how much attention he can draw from a defense. Whether or not his, his, his three-point shot progresses into like a high 30s percentage, if that happens, it's game over. But even if that doesn't, he is so quick, so fast, so explosive that he's going to have opportunities to create for himself but also others. So I think I'm glad Wes Miller is calling that out because if there is an element of his game that we I'd like to see continue to progress throughout the season. That's the exact type of game we need from Saunders where it's not just a few three pointers dropping in the transition buckets. It's here's how I can impact the game, whether or not my jump shots falling. Uh, I like that you, you, you point that out. Cause eventually, you know, if he keeps up the, a pace like this, where he's able to be an assist machine, we know he has the ability to score, and we've kind of been talking about, you know, who who do you want to have the ball, you know, in their hands for the last shot? And that just opens up another option. It opens up another another guy we want to give the ball to at the end of the game because we know he can he can create for others, maybe create for that open shot for Davenport, maybe, maybe create that that three-point shot for for Micah. Uh, but then again, same time, be able to finish at the rim and get the points himself if we need them. So I was excited to see that. Uh, Davenport's been playing lights out the last couple of games. I feel like, what do you, what are your thoughts on him? Tonight was huge for Davenport and obviously against Memphis, he was, he was a flamethrower. You know, I think he, what did he hit? Seven, three pointers. He set a, set a record for their stadium. Was it the FedEx forum in Memphis? Mm-hmm. You know, set a record for threes in that game. He's starting to, he's starting to obviously hit his shot more consistently. He had some, some more inconsistent games early in the season, but more importantly, I thought tonight the biggest thing and the biggest stretch from him in this game, second half Bearcats are flailing a bit. Offense isn't, isn't operating at the, at the, at the same level that it had against Memphis or SMU or in the first half against East Carolina. And instead of early this season, Jeremiah has gotten caught up sometimes in the moment with trying to end a drought for the Bearcats, trying to be the guy to, seize control of the offense and kind of be everything they need, put the ball in the bucket. And he'll do that by forcing a three pointer. He'll do that by forcing a bad long contested jump shot. He'll see, he'll have the ball swung to him on a rotation and he'll, he will, you can almost see him thinking through it. Like I should swing it again 
but he doesn't. And then he still takes the shot instead of the, instead of those types of decisions in the second half, he had three, three consecutive possessions or so where he was actually attacking the rim, a couple drives. Uh, one of them, he threw up kind of a hail Mary of a layup and it went in probably should have drawn the foul. Um, that was following a, a, an easy kind of drive to the hoop where he had a smaller defender on him. And he's so big, he's six, 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 seven, pretty physical. If he does get a step on his man, he gets layups pretty easily. Like it's a, it's an element of his game that he could use more often. And then the third possession, I think he ended up posting someone up, got an easy jump hook in the lane, three consecutive possessions of getting shots at the rim when the Bearcats were really desperate for points. Cause even though it was maybe like a 10, 12 point lead around that time, we know how quickly those leads can snowball and evaporate when you're in that type of run, when you have a player like Jackson, who's knocking down these crazy threes and the momentum starts shifting and the panic starts setting in. It was an extremely mature performance from him in the second half, um, an evolution of his game of sorts, where if this is the new Jeremiah that is able to settle down, be present in the moment and not just settle for erratic, crazy three pointers that sometimes go in. This is, this is a more reliable option for him and in an element of his game that if he embraces, I think actually makes him a more well-rounded score going forward. Uh, before we talk about any other player, you you mentioned uh, panic setting in, and as a fan, I'm not going to lie, there was a there was a moment of of sheer terror uh, running through my brain where uh, East Carolina I think brings it within six uh, off That's of right. a foul shot, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? How do we how do how do we break this funk? How do we help the cats out? And I had this wonderful idea for the jinx. So you all can you all can thank me uh, for making this win possible. Um, I text Coomer and we actually went and put five dollars each on East Carolina at plus twelve hundred to win the game when they were down six. It jinxed them. It 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 pulled the reverse jinx we were looking for. After that point, it was all downhill from from there for them. Bearcats started to pull away. At one point, we were. We even covered some people might have called this a bad beat. Uh, Vince Vance Jackson hits the last three pointer to, to negate the cover, <laughs> to negate the Bearcats cover. Uh, but you guys can thank us for that. Uh, we, we, we threw that little, you know, reverse juju out there. <laughs> this is, this is the argument against the legalization of gambling in a state. So Hummer is <laughs> Hummer is in New York. They've just legalized gambling. He's on his phone. He's, he's turning into a degenerate right before our eyes. We talked about it on the last episode, but I'm, <laughs> we text back and forth during these games and, and he sends me a text out of the blue. He's talking about the and one where, you know, ECU, the lead does go from eight to six. And I get a text that says the, his, his reaction to the, the impending collapse of the Bearcats is, I'm very tempted to put five on ECU at plus 1200. And then seconds later, that was at 8.40 p.m., 8.41 p.m., I get another text that says, I did it, LOL. And obviously, I'm, I'm extremely calm, cool, collected. There's no way on earth I'm going to bet against my alma mater. There's no way I'm going to try and capitalize on this collapse. That's the wrong thing to do. Um, you know, I may or may not have said, all right, F it, I'm in, and did the same thing. But look, I did mine. Mine was do it, more ethical. Do it for me too. I'll then know. <laughs> I was more responsible though, because I know that I have a jinx superpower. I know that I have the ability 
to influence games. Some people change t-shirts during games. Some people tweet, this is a loss during games. I know that if I decide to take financial action on a team or on a play or make bold predictions of any sort that I am personally influencing the outcome of that game. And so by doing this, by allegedly sending you $5, because it's alleged, I don't know what you're talking about. It's definitely uh, alleged. This never happened. So Venmo, if you're listening, do not steal the $11 in my account. It yeah. never happened. This is all <laughs> you know for entertainment purposes only, but I do know that I have that power. So I did the right responsible thing. It just so happened to coincide with the uh, reckless and shameless and and honestly just reprehensible behavior by you because of this New York state gambling uh, legalization. Well, I mean, I didn't put any money on this one from the start. I actually wasn't sure the Bearcats were, were going to cover because it, it does seem lately that, you know, I, I guess lately I'm using a two game sample size now um, in a little bit of hindsight here, the defense seems to have slipped just a tiny bit. Uh, as we're we're scoring more, but I think that's also a result of we seem to be playing a little more up tempo. Uh, we we we're, we're not only scoring better on offense in the half court, but we're we're scoring more frequently, and and we're pushing the tempo when we when we have the advantages. So I think we're making a lot of smart decisions on offense uh, in terms of taking care of to care of the ball as well. Because we're even though we're I think we're getting more possessions, we're we're getting more shots up. We're also still turning the ball over. Uh, relatively fewer times than, than what we've been used to in past years. Uh, so I, that, that is something I was a little worried about is, are we going to cover? How's the defense going to recover? Look, I think the defense played pretty good. Vance Jackson had a, he had, a, he had himself a hell of a game, 35 points. When a guy's on fire like that, you know, we're just, we're happy. I'm happy that we weren't on the receiving end where we were having an off night and we were only going to score 68 ourselves. Um, uh, you know, we did work in the first half and that really paid off. So we're in a situation now we're in a spot where after that two lane game, the Bearcats have ripped off a win at home against SMU 77 to 60. That was a fairly emphatic victory. Never really in doubt. Yes. There was another second half run involved in that game, but well within hand go to Memphis, lose a nail biter. It's a game where, I, I left it feeling positive about the process. We've talked about the fact that we sort of have to detach our evaluation of Wes Miller and this team from wins and losses exclusively. It's more about what does this team look like as the season progresses? Are we seeing improvement? Are we seeing steps in the right direction defensively and offensively? Do we, are, do we have something to hang on to from a hope standpoint as we move into the future and Wes Miller starts filling out this roster with younger players that are built in the mold of what he envisions this program to be. So if you look at that Memphis loss, 87, 80 defense, you know, left some things out there, but all in all, I, I left that game thinking this is a step in the right direction. It's another positive offensive performance. They follow that up with the win against East Carolina at home. That ends up being only an eight point victory, but we know that the Bearcats were up 20 at halftime. So with these three results now in hand, a two-in-one stretch that is the most optimistic, promising stretch of basketball, I would say, since the Bearcats went, you know, 79-45 against Presbyterian, 71-51 against Illinois, and then a close 73-67 loss against Arkansas, where we could have won the game again down the stretch. It, felt, it feels like a very similar two-in-one stretch. 
do you see this as the real Bearcats going forward? Do you see this as a team that can now consistently score 72-plus, 73-plus, and continue to sort of hone in on that defense and maybe finish and compete for the league title, knowing that Houston, the prohibitive favorite to win the conference entering the season, they've sustained so many injuries at this point that it feels like the playing field has been leveled. Do you see this team competing for the American athletic title? I don't know if we're, if we're quite there yet. I still think we got a lot to go in terms of, of consistency. Yeah. Because when I look at the Memphis game, like I agree with you, we were taking steps in the right direction, but that 80 points also took a phenomenal kind of a, the, the Vance Jackson uh, esque game from from Davenport with with making seven three pointers. You know he he shot well above what the what the norm would be, and we talked about how the team had shot well above what the norm would be, and so we were questioning whether this would be you know is there going to be a a trend or a, to the what we're trying to say back to the regression right regress back to the mean, and when but then I take a look at some of the past scores that we've had seventy nine points eighty seventy seven. 60 but 76 71 77 yeah there is a trend that says we can score uh, i think there's also a trend that says sometimes we played to our competition um so i i really think it's going to be it's a it's a mental hurdle that they're gonna have to get over uh to to not be in a, t- a close game late down the stretch to a tennessee tech uh, ashland wasn't even you know that convincing it's less convincing than what the score says uh so I'm curious to see, we're going to play Wichita State next. They're a team, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the team, but just going by the Kempom numbers, they seem to be be kind of similar to us. They're actually ranked one spot ahead of us in Kempom. I think that's going to be a, a, a I think this game's actually going to be a tell, like a tell for us. We're going to go into a way environment, which we've tip, uh, historically owned, like Cincinnati owns the lease of Coke Arena. Like this is a lend lease situation for them. They pay us rent for that every year uh, for our, we're in their head. It's just rent free. It's beautiful. Um, so I think this is, I think this is going to be a big game in terms of seeing what this team is actually made of, because it's going to be another tough game. Uh, if you come out and you're able to score, throw up 75 against them, like we did SMU, then yeah, I think this team is definitely found its stroke. It's definitely hit the the formula of what it needs to do to score. And I think it's going to be something they're going to be able to replicate throughout the rest of the schedule. And look, you beat Wichita, you get three relatively easy games that you should control and, and win. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was, I was going to mention the upcoming stretch. This is obviously a tough road game, but we can't discount matchups. And I learned that with SMU. We have beaten SMU, what, nine consecutive times at this point. And there are some games and some opponents where we are just going to match up favorably against those teams. Wichita state has historically been that team. We, we have no fear going into their arena. We know how to get wins out there. Um, and it's not a team that knows how to blow us off the court. Like even, even during a season when as tumultuous as 2020 was for the Cincinnati Bearcats, we enter the conference tournament and upset this, you know, number one overall seed. That's, just not that dangerous of a team. So if they can find a way to go get this road victory at Wichita State, they followed up home against Tulsa, who's 146 in Ken Palm, away at Temple, 126 in Ken Palm. You've you've talked at length in the past about the environment in Philadelphia and how 
uh, there's just not a lot to respect there. So that's not a game we should fear. That's not even an away game. That's not, it's not an away game. And then we go on the road back to, to Greenville visiting East Carolina, a game that yes, we won at by eight at home. Jackson's a problem, but all in all, like if you eliminated Jackson from the equation in this game, ECU, they didn't have an offense. <laughs> ECU shot 31%. If you eliminate him from three, I mean, it's it's god-awful numbers. It's a team that we can win, win at the, on the road. This could be a stretch of, if you put these next four games together, a five-game potential win streak, which would, in theory, send us up to 16-5 and five on the season. I'm not saying we have to go 4-0. I'm not saying I'm even expecting it. But it's easily a stretch that we should, at, at a minimum, go 3-1 and one if we want to be in the conversation for top two in the American athletic, which to me is more than doable given the overall, I'll call it parity of the league. If you want to have be glass half full, if you want to be glass half empty, it's a bad league this year, especially with Houston struggling with injuries the way they are. They're not going to be the dominant force that everyone thought they would be um, at the beginning of the season to no fault of their own. Uh, this is a, this is a weaker league than it had been a couple seasons ago. So in my opinion, that favors a team like the Bearcats that have a bunch of new pieces, a new coaching staff. We know we have the history of a new coaching staff recently where we know there is a learning curve and that learning curve can go in two directions. Fortunately, we're seeing this one go in a positive direction. Overnight, the Bearcats have become much more competent offensively. We know that there's defensive upside there. The depth is there. There are players like Hensley and Lockin and Oguama who are young, exuberant, they have potential, they have size, they have some of the most interesting physical skill sets on the team, they're starting to get more comfortable. So all in all, this is trending in a very positive direction. And, um, and I think it can be a pretty fun and maybe surprising season, even from a win-loss perspective. Well, let's also keep in mind that out of these games that we have playing, like as I know we're saying it's, high, it's an easier stretch, but there's only one team that we're playing over the next uh i gotta see what south florida is before i make this uh bold prediction here uh up until south florida there's only one team that we're playing that has a losing record and that's tulsa every other team here is getting close to double digit wins they're well above 500 so this is while it's bad and you you hit the nail on the head this league this year it's it's trash like there's nothing that gets me excited about the american athletic conference Houston, they're good. I'm not going to say they're, you know, they're not good, but like you said, they're missing a lot of players. They had some opt-outs already. Um, you know, we've shown that we can, we can beat SMU. Uh, for some reason, Temple somehow 10 and six, uh, that, that boggles my mind. Um, but I actually disagree with you when you say these aren't imperative to win. I think we're going to need, need to win these because towards the back end of the schedule, when we get another Memphis, we get Houston. Um, do we have Houston once? We only have them once, don't we? Well, we missed the first game got canceled. So it could potentially be rescheduled at this point. I haven't heard any rumblings of that game being played. But so, so let's assume it gets rescheduled Memphis, Houston. And I'm just going to go through kind of like the, what I've, the, uh, the, this is a loss in my mind, games that are going to be tough, tough to pull out victories on another Memphis at home, even though I like the environment that gives us a slight edge. Uh, it, you know, if they have another lights out shooting day, like they did, I don't know if the Bearcats keep up with them twice in a row. So if I say Memphis lost Houston, probably, probably taking an L to Houston. 
probably taking an L all uh, to uh, the directional school, central Florida. I just have, I just have a bad feeling about that game at central Florida. And honestly, as much as we own uh, SMU, I could see SMU coming through um, at home, especially if they're in contention for the league title uh, with a rowdy Moody Coliseum. I think that that one could turn out uh, against the Bearcats favor. I think that puts us at nine losses and, realistically we're, we're talking about tournament bursts, right? We need at least what, 21, 22 wins or 21 regular season wins, add a couple wins into the, into the tournament, get us a 23. Maybe that gets us an at large. Yeah. Given the, given the state of the conference, it feels like my preseason prediction of 24 wins is kind of the threshold for making the tournament. It's going to have so, to be a pretty high total. Now I would say this, if you look at Ken Palm rankings in the triple digits, anybody 100 or greater there are if i counted correctly there are seven games of that nature i'm gonna go ahead and pencil in the bearcats at seven and zero against those opponents i think that this team is trending in a direction of being more professional with their energy and effort being more locked in on a game-to-game basis whether or not they're playing one of the top opponents in the conference or a cellar dweller you, if you could find a way to go seven and zero against the weakest teams in the conference this year. And but and to name them, we're talking Tulsa, Temple, East Carolina, South Florida, Tulsa, Temple, South Florida. Those are the games. Then you have another five games that would include away at Wichita State, home to Memphis, home to Wichita State, away at UCF, sneaky tough game there, and then away at SMU. That's five games. If the Bearcats find a way of going three and two in those games we're 10 and two you're adding a 10 and two to our record which would be 22 and seven and then you've got this wild card home game against houston a team that i think we should is a coin flip give us that fifth third arena benefit of the doubt all of the sudden hummer all of the sudden hummer we're at 23 and seven with missing that other houston game on the road um i wouldn't favor us in that game my my point here is there is a chance (laughs) I'm daring to dream, <laughs> sir. I'm daring to dream. I want to, I'm dreaming too. I, I just, I'm just trying to take a, a step back and be realistic, knowing that this team does have its flaws. And I do think we will drop one of those seven games in the 100s. That's totally, by go. the way, by the way, the, the flaw in my logic is that assumption because we already have lost two games this season, two teams ranked over 100 we lost to monmouth who's 113 and we lost to tulane recently who's 136 so we are clearly not infallible against that type of competition but i'm just saying if we are growing maturing locking in whatever you want to describe it as that's the path my friend that's the path to making the ncaa tournament what you're saying is that's right you're if that is the goal, if that's what they are going to accomplish this year is making the NCAA tournament, you have to basically do something that is kind of miraculous when you're, you're entering conference play and you're, you're 12 and five already with two losses um, early on in conference play. You're going to have to beat these teams that are inferior, but you're also going to have to pull out some victory against some good, some good squads and probably win a, a game or two in your, in your tournament. Cause either way, you're still looking on out, you know, on the bubble, when we get to that point, but you're hundred percent right. That's what we have to do. If that is the goal, this is the, the, the path to get there. We are halfway through this season. And if you're going to make the tournament, this is when you have to turn it on. It is January. It is conference time. 
get it together and beat the bad teams that you're playing and squeak out some wins against the good competition that you're playing. By the way, for everybody who's at home shaking their heads saying it's not tournament or bust this season, this is a rebuilding year. It's West Miller's first year. I get it. Look, you just heard us say it's process over results this season. Process does matter more. How we play matters more, win or lose. But we're still playing. Like we're still playing to win the game. We're still competing. I still have hopes. I'm still, I still looking at dreams. I'm still looking at it as a fan, thinking, how the hell can we make the NCAA tournament this year? And what we're saying is the Tulane loss was a huge setback. There's no way around it. Losing at home to Tulane was a devastating loss. We had a chance to almost immediately correct that and immediately make up for that loss by winning at Memphis. And we just barely didn't pull that out that out at the end. And so now talking through it here, it is, it's a very much an uphill battle. I'm just saying it's in play. And after that two lane loss, I didn't feel like it was in play. I felt like we were in a situation of process is all we can really focus on. I have to detach emotionally from results. And based on what the Bearcats have done the last three games to the credit of Wes Miller, to the credit of his coaching staff, and most importantly, to the credit of the players, they have completely rallied around one another. We are seeing a better performance game in, game out. There are things that should make us more confident in this team's ability to execute on a game-to-game basis. You know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle. But all, all we're saying, I guess, Summer, if I'm going to put a bow on it, we're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Go Bearcats.